0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, The world is full of different kinds of people, and as a result, we all have our differences. And so when I say you today, know that I really mean we. Some of you love to shop, while others of you walk into a store, and the first thing you do is find a chair to sit down on. Some of you love museums, while others of you, after 10 minutes, think every painting looks alike. Some of you love hockey in May, while others see their, their team take off the whole month and we move on to other losing activities. But I think after a careful investigation, I have found the one thing that we all have in common. All of us have been asked by someone to do something. Children are asked to do homework, chores around the house, and right now every good child has built up their muscles for snow shoveling. Adults are asked to stay late at work, help with homework, join a small group Bible study for four weeks, help out at a school function, get involved in a ministry at church, or run to school when something happens like a forgotten lunch. When I was in grade one, I went down one of the slides of our new playground at lunch, after lunch one day, and it was one of those enclosed ones with a curve in it, and I was the first one down, and it had rained the night before. So when I hit the bottom, I also hit a big puddle of water. Luckily, walking to the school office, we saw my mom in the gym who was already at school because my brother had forgotten to put his belt on, which you had to wear. So she was able to go home right away and get me new clothes. Grandparents, you are asked to help take care of grandchildren, run an errand, maybe even help out financially. Someone is always asking you to do something Requests come from everywhere. There is a flood of demands. Everyone wants a piece of you and there aren't enough pieces to go around. You don't have time for yourself. How can you find it? The answer to this challenge is found in the word focus. Today we are going to hopefully learn how to identify our focus and sharpen our focus. That's the help we need for our hurried life. If you haven't been around here for the last couple weeks, I want to tell you something that was mentioned previously. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You will not grow close to God or close to anyone else if you live in a state of hurry. You cannot listen to your child in a hurry. You cannot love your spouse in a hurry. You cannot have intimate, meaningful, quiet time with God in a hurry. If you are always in a hurry, your relationships will be superficial because you don't have time for anything else. You know that, and others know that about you. Thus, you will constantly be searching for something different and something more. So let's talk about someone who had focus. His name was Paul, the person who wrote to the Philippians. Growing up, his friends called him Saul. Growing up, he had singular focus. To be the very best religious rule keeper he could. As a Pharisee, he memorized the scriptures, God's laws. He faithfully attended the synagogue. He listened to the rabbis. All who watched were amazed at such a successful individual. No one would have criticized him. He had a singular focus. Years later, he reflected back on his life, and he said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's like saying, I was at the top of the class. I was the most valuable player. When it came to stopping any threat to his religion, he was passionate when it came to doing everything right, he was faultless. If Paul was a figure skater, he'd be Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue. The way Paul lived his life, he was blameless. We must have that kind of focus. The reason you are overwhelmed, overextended, and overcommitted is that you are underfocused. There was a study done about people who sit in offices behind desks. The average desk worker has 36 hours of work on the desk and spends three hours every week just sorting through the piles. Three hours. There is an obvious need for focus. You know what happens if you don't have focus? You can't say no to anything because you don't know what to say no to. Even if you do say no, some of you feel guilty for saying no. Some of you might feel guilty for saying no and end up saying yes. And then some of you end up resentful because all you do is take care of others and not yourself. Although Paul had focus, his focus changed. Initially, his focus was to be the very best religious rule keeper he could. And according to that law, he was blameless. When Christ encountered him on the road to Damascus and Paul heard God's call in his life, his focus changed. God's goal became Paul's goal. God's focus can become your focus. Refocusing according to God's focus. That's what Paul did. He learned to focus on what God focused on. That's why he could look back on his religious trophies and consider them trash, rubbish. He put it like this. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. His focus was knowing Jesus, plain and simple. Knowing his Lord. He said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He had a focus and it was the right one. Is that your focus? Don't be satisfied knowing about Jesus. Don't be satisfied just going to church. Know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Know Jesus because after all, he knows you and he wants you to know him. Because when you know Jesus, it is only in him you know that his forgiveness covers all your sins. And there's too many of them to count, but they're forgiven. When you know Jesus, you will know his compassion that meets every care you have. When you know Jesus, you will experience comfort for grief, peace in the midst of trouble. That's your focus. Know Jesus. Know Jesus. The Gospel reading from Matthew tells us that Jesus said, but seek first, focus first, The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Too often we reverse that order. We don't see God first. We seek things and expect God's kingdom to be added. We live in an under-focused life, chasing after things and accomplishments, hoping that they will bring us success, fill the voids in our life. That's not God's way. Only he can fill the void in your life. Seek him first, and everything else that you need will be added, just not necessarily what you think that you need. The blessings will come from God, not from your desires. He will help you grow according to his will, not yours. He will open up doors for opportunities for his ministry to spread, not your selfish ambitions. Seek him first. Know Jesus. When your focus is on Jesus, then you will focus on what matters for eternity. Paul wrote, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Your house does not matter for eternity, but the people who live there do. Your lawn does not matter for eternity, but the neighbors who cut it for you when life is too hurried, do that project you just turned in it won't matter for eternity but the people whom you turned it into do we get flustered and lose time and energy over things that don't matter for eternity and in so doing we forget about the people who do if you were there for the first video of the bible study you heard the greek word tell us which really means end goal purpose You may have discussed that everyone's telus should be, according to Paul, living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Everything we do, every decision we make, revolves around doing that. We can ask ourselves, does this help me live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? If yes, we do it. If no, we maybe find something else. When talking about our focus, there are two things that we can focus on to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The first is, focus on pleasing the Lord. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. God's focus is on you. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. Now our focus needs to be on pleasing him. One of the reasons that we live hurried lives is that we are people pleasers. Let's talk about that. When Paul said, I have become all things to all people, that was not the goal. But it was the means to bring Christ to all people. When everyone is demanding our attention, when everyone wants a piece of us, we find ourselves trying to please everyone. And in doing so, no one is pleased. We aren't pleased, and even God isn't pleased. So we say, well, I'm just trying to make you happy. Give up on that mission of making people happy. If you're going to please the Lord, you will disappoint some people. You aren't going to make everyone happy because people who don't know Christ won't have the same focus as you, and they will be at odds. Focus on pleasing the Lord. The second thing is focus on reaching the goal. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has a heaven for all who believe in Jesus Christ. It is your destination. You don't have to be the best religious rule keeper to be there. In fact, that won't get you there at all because we're not. None of us keep the law perfectly. None of us keep the law at all. We sin all the time. We don't focus on Christ. We focus on ourselves. We don't seek God's kingdom first. We seek our own desires. And rather than deserving hell, heaven, rather than deserving heaven, we deserve hell. That's why Jesus Christ came to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. That's why he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. That's why he took your death to give you life. That's why he took your hell, to give you heaven. That's why he gave the church his supper, to give us that same forgiveness. And that's why he gave us baptism, to mark us as his redeemed, to cover us with himself. And faith that believes all these things is a gift from God. Eternal life is the prize for all who believe in Jesus and in his death and resurrection. All who know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, heaven is our goal. And we focus on getting there. If you've ever seen a marathon or participated in a big one like Chicago, it's 40,000 runners from over 100 countries, 26.2 miles. It can be freezing. And there are runners wearing a thin layer of spandex. Talk about determination. Determination. They are inflexible and firm in their determination to finish the race and maybe to get into warmer clothing. Do you have that same drive when it comes to reaching the goal of heaven that God has for you? Little Adelina's race is just beginning. Some of you are closer to the finish line and have had many years that you've hurried, raced through, Is there anything standing in your way that will keep you from pressing on toward the goal of heaven? Demands you put on yourself, demands others put on you. Look back at verse 13. Paul said, forgetting what lies ahead, forgetting what lies behind. The reason that we lose focus is that the past isn't settled. We aren't forgetting it. It's not behind us. There is still something unresolved. A word of forgiveness needs to be spoken, an apology that needs to be shared. You can't run a race looking backwards. You can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. Unresolved issues will rob you of focus. And one last word is the word one. Paul said, but one thing I do. That's focus. What's the one thing that you do, not the 20 things that you dabble in? Sometimes the reasons we are so exhausted in our hurried life is that we're trying to do everything. As a result, we're tugged and pulled in every direction. What's your one thing? What's your one thing with your children? Is it that they are so involved in multiple activities that they each need their own secretary? Is it that you want more than anything else that they know Jesus? What's the one thing with your job? Is it that you will make a name for yourself or that you will honor God by how you work and how you serve? What's your one thing? Do you have the will and the energy to act upon that one thing? That's your focus. Now press on. Study God's word and you will know Jesus better. Immerse yourself in the scriptures and you will know Jesus better. And here's the best part. He helps us to do it. He leads us and guides us to focus on him. He starts it. He finishes it. Philippians tells us that It is God who will and act in us according to his good purpose. And later on, Paul says that God is the one who will bring this work to completion. He starts it. He finishes it. The Holy Spirit works in us to find our focus in faith, the focus to know Jesus better. And it's the best focus because after all, He already knows all about you. He knows your every need. He knows your every sorrow. He knows your every sin. He knows you. And he brings you exactly what you need. Himself. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.